Hi, this is Scott from Movies Last Night. This is going to be a little bit of a departure from the usual style. Normally I would um, write out an intro, read it out, put some music behind it, do the whole the whole shebang for the episode. Um, but this week's been a really busy week for Eric and I, so there hasn't really been any time to do any of that. Um, but this episode's going to be great. Um, it's going to be on Don't Look Now, which is the 1973 movie by Nicholas Rogue. Starring Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie, um, so I've this, we've obviously got a lot of talk about. It. I think it's going to be really fun. And you might be wondering, well, this is kind of out of character for us to do an older movie like this. Um, but really, because we've been so busy, we haven't had time to go to the movies. So what we did was um, we organized like a little tournament between Eric and myself, where we both picked ten movies and we'd bracket them and we'd, they would compete against each other to go through to eventually decide what we would actually watch. And there was no rules on what we decided on our lists. And um, just as a bonus for you guys, at the end of that episode, I'm going to include that conversation Eric and I had when we actually went through and flipped a coin to try and decide which movie would, would go through. And it was really fun doing it. And I think we're going to start doing this all the time when we do movies that aren't um, new releases, uh, cinema releases. So um, it's a little Easter egg for you guys. So I hope you, when you finish it, the main episode, keep listening and I think you'll enjoy it it's fun I, I really enjoyed it it was super fun um, other than that there's not much else to report really um, I just from Eric and I'm speaking on behalf of Eric and myself obviously um, I hope you guys are having a happy Thanksgiving um, I know it's only Thanksgiving Eve but obviously the worst part of Thanksgiving has already started um, so I hope everybody's having a good time and if you're not having a good time that's fine too you know don't feel any pressure to enjoy the holidays I don't feel any pressure to enjoy the holidays I never do um, so just a big thank you from Eric and I for everybody who to everybody who listens to the show all of our friends who've contributed um, music um, who've came on as guests, give the feedback, um, and for everybody at home who listens to the episodes, all, however many there are of you, which I'm sure there's not many, but thank you so much for doing this. Me and Eric love doing this podcast, and we're going to keep doing the podcast, so thanks for sticking around. Um, other than that, uh, enjoy the episode, guys, um, and take care. Hey Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Scott. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, as about as well as can be expected on the night before Thanksgiving. Oh Lord, I'm traumatized already. Yeah, I know. Um, Eric and I have been in the shit. <laughs> it was like a tour of duty. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we definitely have the thousand yards there. Yeah, yeah. Which is probably going to explain the energy levels for this episode. No, we're <laughs> gonna, but we're gonna we're gonna be perky. We're gonna be our usual perky, charming selves. Um, today's episode is going to be on Nicholas Rogue's nineteen seventy three psychological horror, "Don't Look Now," starring Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie. Yeah. Yep. And you may um, be asking yourself, "Do you have?" Sorry, Eric. Did I just cut you no, off? No, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. At home, as an avid listener of our show, you might be like, hold on a second, Eric and Scott. Like, (laughs) that movie came out in 1973. What about the movies that came out this week at the box office, like Ghostbusters? (laughs) Well, if Eric and I were men of leisure, which we are certainly not, we would have definitely (laughs) picked up a movie at the weekend, but it just was not meant to be this week for us. So we um, came up with a, a fun little game in order for us to decide uh, a movie to watch, which I think we're going to carry forward in the future. And this is going to be our technique moving forward. Um, so Eric, do you want to fill them in about our death match? Um, yeah. So as we were trying to figure out what we were going to do, I mean, the week was so hectic. So um, getting to the movies might've been like a, an impossible feat in itself. I don't know. But then coupled with the fact that there there wasn't anything that was kind of pulling us to the to the theaters. So we just kind of were like, well, let's, you know, let's like, you know, dealer's choice sort of thing. Well, someone will pick. And then I, I don't know who came up with it where it was like, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm going to create a list and you create a list and then we'll just pick something off the list. And then it was like, okay, I have 10, I have 10 films on my list. And then you were like, well, okay, I'm going to put 10 on mine. And then we'll, we'll flip a coin and see which ones uh, we're going to watch. So um, you'll hear all that uh, later on. But uh, yeah, so we did a movie list death match, basically. And, uh, and this is the one, this is the the winner of them all. And, And it's very the lists are, are very different. Well, mine kind of seem like they're similar theme because, you know, my brain. So, uh, <laughs> I, I think, I think Scott's, uh, list was a little bit more diverse than mine. Um, and, um, Scott picked the winner for this one. Uh, and it was, it, I, I'll say that I'm, I'm uh, I'm excited to talk about it. I'm I'm interested to talk about it. it. It's not. I don't think it's a movie that we would have naturally picked on our own. I think it's just you know fate. You know, took the reins on this one. It is actually a movie that I do own. Um, I think I got it during a Criterion something and had it in my head that I would just watch it at some time. And you know, it seems like the the week of thanksgiving it was the time to watch it so here we are yeah it's it's interesting because um there wasn't really much a rhyme or reason for my list other than um a lot of the things that were on my list were movies that i've already seen that i thought would either be a good to talk about or b that i thought that you might enjoy so i was Mm kind of like tailoring my list that way 
and and this one was kind of the oddball choice on the list because I've never seen this movie, um, but I'm very aware of this movie because obviously this Same. movie yeah. has been around in a lot of people's top tens, top one hundreds. Um, it's ranked as one of the, the the greatest British movies of all time um, by like a like a bunch of um, I think like Time Out and BFI, all that stuff. Um, so. It's funny, though, that I've never seen it, um, despite the fact that I'm so aware of it existing. Um, it was definitely a blind spot, and I think it just popped into my head somehow. And I, I was like, okay, I'll just put that on the list. And that was my only reasoning behind it. Um, mm. I I kind of assumed you'd seen it. Um, so I was interested when you hadn't seen it, um, because then that makes it even more interesting, because, you know, it's always fun when we're talking about things that we haven't seen. Um, yeah. So we could both come at it with like fresh, fresh eyes, so to speak. So, yeah, yeah I'm pretty excited. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think I was kind of in the same boat where it was like, yeah, I had heard about it before. I had a, I honestly didn't know what it was about, but I mm-hmm. had heard that it was kind of almost foundational in a way for um, suspense horror. And um, as it's very, is very kind of interesting to look at, look at a, an older, and I say quote unquote older movie. It's, it's not like it's not like it's nineteen twenties or anything like that. But but you know it's movies like movies like this. It's it's like it's definitely it's from a different time. You know, it, it, when you're watching it, you're like, this was a different, it, it's a different world or something like that. And it makes me feel like I live in the future somehow, you know? So, um, I, <laughs> I mean, in compared to watching, uh, to, to watching it, 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 I don't know how, then we, we had spoken a little bit about this, um, earlier. Um, I don't know how a modern I don't know how a modern audience takes movies like this and how they process them. Because I was looking at at like a list of movies that had come out that year. And uh, I mean, there's some really heavy hitters that, that came out that year that a lot of people still talk about, but I'm, I almost not sure how, you know, like, uh, like a Gen Z or like millennials or anybody here would, would really kind of look at these and appreciate them. If, unless they were like movie nerds or, or, um, cinephiles or, um, someone who is going to study going on to like a higher education in film, you know, um, you have movies like the exorcist, uh, American Graffiti, The Wicker Man came out, um, Sting, The Sting, uh, which I think might have won the Oscar for that year, um, Don't Look Now, High Plains Drifter, um, Soylent Green, Enter the Dragon, Mean Streets, Serpico, Badlands, um, what else here? What yeah what yeah Westworld Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, Amencore, 
Um, so, I mean, and the list goes on and on and on. I mean, I just, I, I looked at like about a hundred different movies uh, just to kind of get an idea of that year in film. And I mean, those, some of those movies, it's like those movies kind of informed a lot of kind of the directors that we're watching now, you know, I think uh, there's, there's a bit of resurgence of, of that kind of seventies um, film style in a way. I mean, look at like, like Halloween kills the uh, David Gordon Green went so far as to try to film parts of his movie in the style that, that was like the 1980s to make it look like, the 1980s so but you have um a handful of directors who are really kind of who kind of study these films and are trying to kind of it feels like they're trying to kind of bring them back in a way because they just love them so much so that it's you have a lot of like really interesting movies that came out that year that that people still talk about this being one of them, I'm surprised more people don't talk about it, actually. Yeah, I actually, um, upon doing research after watching the movie, um, it, was, it, it wasn't it was really much of a surprise to learn that Ari Aster is a huge fan of this movie. Oh, um, yeah, makes sense. And, like, lists it as, like, you know, like a foundational uh, influence on um, Hereditary, um, which... You can see, you can see that, and you can see this movie in the work of Ari Aster. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm guessing, like somebody who's like more scholarly than I am, could probably list off a bunch, you know. But it's interesting what you said when you were talking about this movie. Is it does feel like the kind of movie they would teach on a film criticism class or if like a film theory? Um, like everything about this movie feels like the kind of movie that would be part of a curriculum. Um, yeah, at least to me, I, obviously I've never studied that, but it just, it just reeks of that, um, cause of all the different, you know, we'll get into it, but like the, in terms of how the movie was made, um, but yeah, 1973 was a wild, yeah. Um, and I looked through the list, uh, cause you, you brought that up to me and I was looking through and it's, you know, what sticks out from the list too, um, mm. is the variety so like yeah. the variety of in genres. So you've got like science fiction, you've got like the Holy Mountains, so you've got like art house surrealism, you've mm-hmm. got like martial arts, um, Enter the Dragon, you've got The Exorcist, like classic horror, uh, Robin Hood, the Disney animated movie, which is one of my favorite Disney animated movies. Um mm-hmm. and to touch on what you were saying too, Eric, when you were saying like it you feel like when you watch a movie like this, it's like from a different world. I guess it is because I like I'm taking it. Well, it was definitely before I was born. This movie came out six years before I was born. Um, it probably right around when you were born. Was it? <laughs> uh, 73. I was born in 73. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. So like, it's interesting when you watch a movie that takes place in, in a time that you weren't on this earth. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That that that's always like it's that's always a kick. And like, I mean, I it's not that I don't watch older movies. I have watched a ton of older movies, especially sure. over the years. 
but it's not like I actively seek out to watch movies. And it's funny saying older because in my head, yeah, I'm thinking, well, this is a 70s movie. It's not old, but it is old, really. I mean, yeah. at this point, it's like, it's pushing like 50 years old, which well, is... I'm, yeah, I mean, you, you have to think like movies from the year 2000, that's considered that's considered a classic now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, in the way the time works, I mean, it, I guess in car culture, it's like if something's 20 years or or uh, music and like music class or something like that you know it's you're you're starting to hear like i don't know pearl jam or or something like that on classic radio so it's it's yeah it's (laughs) you know you're you're messing around with time and it's 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 very strange it's very strange yeah we're just i mean ultimately we're all getting older and we're gonna die so (laughs) resistance is futile and uh just might as well give in to the abyss you know there you go there you go there you go God, this is a positive episode. Okay. <laughs> um, so when we we picked the movie, we decided on the movie. Um, you're very lucky that the other movie did not win, which you yeah. can, I'm not going to say what it is, but you can listen to the end of the episode when I cut in. I'm going to cut in all of Eric and uh, I's maybe, discussion. May, maybe you should cut it in in the beginning because we're they're already going to know who won at this point. Well, that's why I figured I put it in at the end because it, if, if you already know who's going to win, then it's just like a little bonus. You know what I mean? Uh-oh, if you can't okay, get okay. enough of listening to us, and you're like, God, I love listening to Scott's <laughs> voice, and Eric sounds so dreamy. Um, I want to keep listening. So it's for the hardcore fans. It's going to be right Only. at the end. But Only. I love doing. I love this new setup, and um, I think we're going to hopefully we'll do it all. When I, obviously we're not going to do it for like cinema release movies because we only have like a small window and a small we've got to pounce on those but for yeah. like um all the off episodes yeah we should totally do it it's really it was really fun it was a really good experience yeah it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun yeah okay so when you watch the movie so we picked the movie you waited a couple of days to watch it didn't you because um you probably watched it at the weekend i i watched it on a sun what is today i watched it a couple of days ago i watched it on a sunday because I yep. knew that I, I wouldn't be able to watch it on Monday when I when I normally if, if we don't go to the movies and I watch something at home I'll watch yeah. it on Monday morning um, mm-hmm. is my normal routine so um, yeah so I watched it Sunday Sunday night actually right before I went to bed so. oh nice interesting yeah um, so um, I don't know if we should. Should we do a disclaimer for spoilers in a movie that's fifty years old? Like, let's just uh, let's just say there there's gonna be spoilers. It's almost it's almost a fifty year old movie. So, uh, what are you doing with your life? Get out there and watch it. So yeah, and I feel <laughs> like um, it's just easier. I think to talk about it. it's interesting though because I think in general it's easier to talk about a movie with spoilers because like a lot of the things that I have to say. Like, I feel like I don't have anything interesting to say that isn't a spoiler. <laughs> so, like, yeah, yeah. It, you know, so, yes, this is the point. So this is the point of the episode, what, like 10 minutes in. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't if you haven't seen the movie, stop it. Watch the movie. Come back. Hang out with me and Eric and we'll we'll, we'll shoot the shit on the movie. So, OK, uh, we're going into it. Eric, just give me give me your thoughts on, upon your, your first viewing of this movie. So um, 
kind of going back on what I was saying before, as I was watching it, I wasn't sure if, if I was enjoying it, you know? Uh, and I think that just has all that has to do with my, my kind of cinematic perspective. And, mm-hmm. and what I mean, what I mean by that is, is I am used to seeing a certain type of movie in today's standards. Right. So my, my, um, my viewing style is set to present day as weird as that sounds. So when you go back and you kind of re-experience these older movies, I think your brain has to process things a lot different because the, the people like the people who are making these movies, they are, they layer in so much stuff. Um, It's, it's almost like, to a degree, it's almost like high art, you know, because they're they're layering in so so many like uh, different motifs, different uh, different like red herrings in this, different symbolism. Uh, they they as you're going to talk about later on, I think that the use of sound and music. Um, so there's. There's it, w- it was a different type of audience, I think, that originally experienced it. And as it is kind of at such high praise that I have to think that the movie audience at that time had more had more of this type of cinema to ingest in a way, right? So mm-hmm. as I as I'm watching it, I w- I wasn't a hundred percent sure if I was enjoying it, but I, you know, I stuck, I stuck through, I stuck with it the entire time. And I tried to find what I enjoyed in it. And, uh, and I did. And it was, it was, it was kind of, I, I focused in on the strangest things almost because, you know, I, I followed the story. Um, I followed the story pretty easily. Um, there were a few things that I kind of I questioned in the beginning, like when um, when he's looking at the the still when when they're at home before their daughter um, dies, he's looking at the stills of the church that he's I guess been commissioned to uh, help rebuild or or refurbish or whatever, and then there's the the picture of what you assume is his his daughter in the picture, which is which kind of threw me off because because of the red raincoat and how that kind of comes into play later on and that pictures that that person in the in the red raincoat and I'm thinking what why is his daughter in that in that photograph where did where did that photograph come from did they already visit this place or or what's the deal and and you know later on I kind of realized like oh that's that's kind of the, the picture of the killer right there um, which I didn't put together initially. So, um, and then how everything that plays out in the beginning circles back around how it kind of, how it starts with the death ends with the death. There's so many kind of interesting layers that, that were, that weave its way through this movie. Um, and the thing, the thing that I really kind of, 
focused in on and found fascinating about it is the use of color in in the uh, in the movie. Um, like the girl Christine, their daughter, initially, you know, she has this red raincoat, and the the way that everything else is filmed is very kind of earthy, greens, blues, um, very kind of earth uh, centric with the photography, and then she just she's this little blonde girl in this like bright red uh, raincoat just sticking out of the landscape, and um, as you're watching the movie, you start to see that it seems like, if not 100%, at least 95% of, of the movie, there's always, always something red in every single scene uh, through, throughout the entire movie. So I found myself looking, looking for it everywhere, like in every, every scene, every uh, shift every kind of pan throughout the landscape. It's so interesting how they kind of molded in uh, the color scheme uh, into, into those scenes. And, and so from, from the, the English countryside, then you go to, to Venice, which is very kind of, it's not as earthy, but it's just, it's all kind of the same texture, same, same color in a way. But then the at they add in the those little kind of splashes of, of reds. Um, for the most part, there's not there's not much else color in it besides like those those bright colors of reds, bright blues, um, and then everything else just kind of almost blends into the background uh, with the rest of the the cast and and everything else that's going on. So. Um, that really kind of grabbed my attention uh, from beginning to end. Um, and then, you know, like with the, with the acting, you know, the acting's different. Yeah. It's a different type of acting there that they were, they were probably asked to do, um, or maybe it was con contemporary at, at the time. And, and looking at that type of acting um, and then kind of a, a a present day acting, you, the, the, the contrast is so stark. So you have to, like I said before, you have to switch your mind into that kind of, into that framework um, to experience it. Because some of it, I, I can see how it could seem like it comes um, across as over the top in a way. But um, if you kind of step back from it, I think you're able to appreciate it in a different way, uh, almost like, um, in a mature way. Uh, cause I, th I think this is, this is something that, you know, film students would look at to appreciate, to study, to kind of break down. And the, I think, I think this movie needs a little bit of a level of maturity to kind of watch it or appreciation to watch it. Um, because there is, there's a lot going on. It's very, it's very of its time, but it's also, there's, there's also an homage. It has a very kind of Hitchcock vibe to it as well. So, um, there's also kind of that throwback even further, you know, to, that you can look back on and appreciate. So, 
um, I, at first I wasn't sure if I liked it. And then I think it's kind of slowly grown on me as I have uh, kind of thought about it over the last couple of days. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I do agree with you. The movie t- tends to have this, um, well, tends to, but it, it, at least on, on me and obviously by the sound of things on you, it, it kind of gets its hooks into you and it's like a mm. creeper. So it like stays with you after you see it. And then you think about it more and you think about it more and it, it, it kind of, yeah, it, it like, it has this like lingering after effect, uh, which is very different to other movies. Um, it, to touch on something you just said there, Eric, too, um, do you think that, well, I mean, it's not even do you think that. It's obviously just must be a case of, like, when this movie came out in 1973 um, and you were saying that how, like, you were you were approaching this movie, when you watch this movie, you watch this movie as Eric in 2021 with, with yeah. your cell phone and your iPad and mm-hmm. your <laughs> Apple TV and all of the shit that you have and, like, mm-hmm. all of this, like, uh bombardment of like um information constantly so i feel like at that time wherever you would have go back i think there is like there's a pace to certain movies from that period mm. or just honestly most movies from that period where they they operate in a pace that's like we're not used to anymore and it's like we're not almost like not trained like we've lost the ability to just like chill the fuck out and watch something yeah. Because yeah. like even like nowadays on the way movies are edited is like everything's fast, fast, fast. Like if you were to play this movie back to back with like say that uh, Michael Bay movie Six Underground on Netflix, it would yeah. like it would give you like whiplash to go from one <laughs> to the other because it's like the pacing of everything. So like yeah, everything's been like hey, it's it's TikTok, yeah. it's a five second thing. It's like boom, 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 information, information, and um. Whether we like to admit or not, like we've become, we've adapted to that style. Um, and yeah, I, I 100% agree with what you say about that. Like, yeah, approaching this movie now, you do need to, um, it's like you do need to acclimatize yourself to the water when you get in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, it's, it's very, it's kind of interesting because I, I certainly imagine that the filmmakers of that time, were what they were ingesting so what they were ingesting in their you know teens and 20s you have to think of their time period their time frame you know their Mm -hmm. what was going on in the world at their time and um what what art influenced them and what what art did they ingest and how did they represent you know, kind of their their worldview or their vision in a in a in a kind of in a cinematic way. So, yeah, you're you're gonna get those. It's gonna seem almost foreign, almost alien in a way, when you're watching it. And like when you said that Michael Michael Bay thing, I I thought to myself, well, with this, it, to me, it feels like it feels like art. It feels like, you know, like you would look at a painting or, or something like that. You're looking at kind of an, a high art concept movie. So I'm thinking of this, uh, don't look now juxtaposed with like Titan, you know, which is in itself yeah. high art, but it's of its time. It's of this time. So 
in 50 years from now, how is that high art going to be uh, juxtaposed with whatever it is, you know, and we're in 2070 or something, you know? So I, it's, it's very kind of, it's very interesting to think of um, because, because yeah, the, those, those directors and those artists and those actors weren't bombarded with, you know, Dolby Vision sound and like iPads and 4K restorations and, and, you know, you know, iPhone 13s and, and, Mm -hmm. um, and all this, you know, everything, the internet, (laughs) everything in between. So, so Mm -hmm. it's, I think it's kind of a testament to how how art has changed over the years, but can still be relevant in in kind of our present time. Um, because it, this isn't this isn't like a, it's not it's not kind of typical fair, you know. It's not it's not something i think as a just say a modern horror person that you're just going to sit down um and and just be blown away by it i think it's one of those movies that it has to really sink in you have to really kind of put in the time with it and do maybe do a little research because i think we had talked early earlier it was like i didn't know anything about uh Nicholas uh, Rogue. I think that's how you pronounce his last name, Rogue. Or Rogue. It is. I believe that's um, how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't aware of some of the other uh, films that he had uh, made or had been involved in. So, so it, it, I, I kind of like that aspect of it, where I I get to dive a little bit deeper because I don't have all the answers and I don't I don't really know about the people involved. So, um, I, I can appreciate it in that way. Um, yeah. what did you think? I mean, what, what did you think of like the story and the, the payoff at the end? Because I, real quick, I, I kind of, I kind of had known or heard about this movie that, uh, the ending was, it, it was sold on me that the ending was so, um, I don't know if it was shocking, but it was like a, a, an ending that you'll always remember sort of thing. Yeah. As it, mm-hmm. that it was sold to me that way. So that's one of the reasons that I had always wanted to uh, watch it. Yeah, that's funny because I, I actually didn't know about the ending um, being like a famous ending. You know what I mean? Like a famous like mm-hmm. what the fuck ending to a movie um yeah going into it so i wasn't like i wasn't like waiting for it i i I found myself just being like well how are they going to wrap this up like how are they going to close this up um which was you know like it it, i i in a way i'm kind of pleased because i i feel Mm. like i didn't have expectations or like um i I wasn't it wasn't put up on a pedestal for me i was just kind of like okay i had an even playing field in the same way it would do if you just went to see it in the theater and in the seventies and you were like, Oh, what's this movie? I'll just watch it. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, but like, just before I get into it, I do want to say one thing real quick. Cause it, I kept thinking about it when you said it, 
um, this high dynamic range Dolby Vision situation. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of Dolby Vision at all or high dynamic range. Um, and especially now that I have like I have a TV that's capable of like displaying it correctly, um, where mm. previous 4K TVs that I've had never really could like get it right. And even now that I can watch it correctly. The way I say high dynamic range is like they finally figured out a way to polish a turd because it's just like it's just like it just seems lazy to me because like Mm. all of these modern movies that really rely on and you can tell when you watch something that it's really like it's either filmed around like it's it's like factored into it. So it's like, well, this is going to have the HDR is going to pop on this explosion and this this light's going to this neon lighting is going to look really cool. And I kind of feel like all these generic Netflix movies that have it and like it's a wash with it. And like it just doesn't impress me because I kind of feel like it's taken away like the like, you know, when you see a movie and a movie's like uses color interestingly, like don't look now uses color very interestingly. It's taken away like the thought behind doing that. And now it's just like, wow, look at all these crazy colors as opposed to. I'm going to think about the use of color in this movie. We're going to think about yeah. the composition of color, like the, like how we're going to, like how it's going to inform a story, how it's going to like help tell the story. And, and like, and I'm not saying that's the case for everything, but I just noticed it a lot. And it's like, sometimes I actually turn it off because I don't, I like, I'm not interested. Like it's, it's too distracting for me. So that's mm. a sidebar. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure some people at home are probably like, what are you talking about? It's fucking awesome. But like, <laughs> yeah. It's true. Uh, no. Yeah, it's true. It's true though. No, it totally is. Um, so uh, what did I think of Don't Look Now? Well, kind of similar to you, Eric. Like first time I saw, so I've seen the movie two and a half times now. Um, first time I watched it, I put it on and um, immediately I was like, I was at odds with the movie's pacing um, and I found myself being like, okay, just, just let it go. Let it go. You know what I mean? Like just relax into it. And then um, eventually the hypnotic uh, vibe of the movie started to take over with me. And I was like, okay, like Mm. now I'm in it. Um, There was a lot of interesting things. So what's great about, I think at this movie is, is if you wanted to do research on this movie and you wanted to read like, film theory on this movie it's there's a wealth of stuff um interviews um like a lot of film critics and film scholars have talked about this movie and really broke it down and it that's what's really awesome about this movie is you can like the supplemental stuff to go alongside of it is huge and 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 like not to get into that too much but like there was definitely some things that occurred through the movie that really didn't bug me but like confused me um, so one was the use of sound in the movie is very interesting. So there's a lot of times in the movie where people groan or scream or um, like specifically the most noticeable one is at the beginning of the movie when uh, Donald Sutherland's running across his, his yard to get to the the pond where his daughter's drowning in. Um, you can hear him screaming and it and it's like, at first I was like, oh, well, the dub's off on this. Like, the dub's just really weird. Or, like, the ADR, mm. like, you know how they, like, they'll record voices post just because yeah. they couldn't get a good quality recording on the field? Um, that's a really layman way of explaining that. Like, I, I, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, oh, yeah. But 
upon um, further investigation, all of that's intentional, which is really fascinating because basically how he's he's playing it along the lines of you can he, there's the voice in the in the the sounds people make in real time and then he's also using people's what well, he's pr- trying to portray people's inner voice so like the the sounds that'd be going through his head like you'd be like oh my god oh my god you know what i mean um yeah. in your mind and that's that's really cool but once again if you're not prepared for something like that, that comes across at odds. So you're like butting heads against that. And I was butting heads against it. Um, another thing I was butting heads with, with the movie was the fact that I kept, I kept thinking to myself, I, so I rented the movie from, uh, Apple TV and I kept mm-hmm. thinking to myself, where's the subtitles? Like w- there's no subtitles again. Oh, that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. 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 And that's yeah. a conscious choice on Nicholas Rogue's part to not include subtitles. Because I guess obviously one of the themes of the movie and one of the themes he wanted to portray in the movie is like communication and like how like a lack mm-hmm. of communication or like the how men and women communicate differently. Um, so yeah. that was very that was throwing me off, too. And like part of me was just like, well, is this just like have I got like a cheap is this just like a cheap <laughs> transfer and they didn't bother to do the work on it or like translate it properly? Yeah. So that was weird. So there's all these things that you come up against in the movie where it's like you think they're roadblocks, but when you actually find out what they are, it just makes the movie more interesting. So mm-hmm. second time around, I was far more interested and in like the movie really opened up to me and I was like, okay, now I'm like, I'm really like basking in it. And I'm like trying to look for everything I can and to try and like, to decipher as much as I can from what the movie's trying to tell me. Um, and another thing I really liked about the movie, which is you mentioned, Derek, which I thought was a really good point that you made, is the use of color in the movie is sublime, specifically the use of the color red, like that saturated uh, mm-hmm. bright red of uh, her raincoat. And then how he's he's dropping in red in every single scene. And what it does, what it did for me is similar to what you did is I found myself every single time the camera was in Venice and it was any kind of a tracking or panning shot when anybody was walking anywhere. Every time I saw something red, it was part of me was playing like, where's Waldo? So I was like, is she in the background? (laughs) You know what I mean? Is that her? Was that supposed to be her? Is that like a a corner of a jacket? And that's so clever. It it went so far as to like it was it's just like background characters who are wearing red socks, or yeah. or or a scene where Donald Sutherland has a red pencil in his coat pocket, yeah, or you know, and he's wearing kind of a yellow and red scarf throughout most of the most of the movie, mm-hmm. um, but it, it it's like it comes down to there's a red tint in the window or there's a little bit of red paint on a wall as they're walking by. And it's just like, it's all over the place. And yeah. And after the movie was done, I was like, I was walking uh, downstairs and it was like, I was looking for red everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it kind of, it affected me even, even after. Um, yeah. After the I'm film, doing it now yeah. as, as we're recording, <laughs> I'm looking for red in the room. Um, and, well, you know what they say about red, too? That's the reason why stop signs are red, because your eye reads red faster than it does any other color. So, yeah. like, it's it's the color you read the quickest, or your brain receives the quickest. So, yeah. um, very clever use of color. Um, and now, 
like I said, I, I didn't know about the ending going into the movie, but one thing I did know about this movie, um, you, you can read into this what you like, is that um, this this movie is notorious for its sex scene. Um, oh, yeah. But I, I want to put like a um, disclaimer around sex scene because for me, if plays more like a lovemaking scene, which sounds like a weird thing to say, but it doesn't feel like a sex scene. So it's not titillating or I would say like, um, it's not, it doesn't feel like it's there to be titillating or like exciting. Um, mm. It's very naturalist and it. The movie gets a lot of mm, praise for yeah. this sex scene specifically um, because of that, because it's to do with, you see the woman receiving pleasure. You see him like performing oral sex on her, but not in a gratuitous way. But like, that's a thing that you don't often see in movies too, um, as a mm. woman receiving pleasure. Um, so much so that, apparently the movie was they had to outright cut the whole sex scene out to get it released in certain countries like outright cut mm, the whole section out whereas i think in the crazy. uk yeah yeah that's crazy because has, it, because how it it that scene intertwines with like the the after like after they're they're getting dressed it, it's it's all happening at the same time like the after after sex and then during sex um the, it, the, that's kind of spliced together so i wonder how they took all that out because those that scene or that that section right there is so it's interesting and it's important in a way that how how they communicate you know with each other or how they kind of they they act off each other in a way so i don't know no how that totally would, yeah without it, that i don't know how that would play yeah, it's wild. And I think it's tied into that like age old um, weird um, thing that the censorship bureau has for um, specifically women in oral sex. So like it's mm. the specifically hard on um, poor choice of words. They're specifically tough on any scene that a woman, re a woman receives pleasure um, mm the flip the not so like a guy could be getting head when he's driving a car or whatever you know what i mean sorry to be crass but you, could, you know what i mean but they yeah they're very strict on women's orgasms like very 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 strict um so i think it's some of it's to do with that um but yeah what's interesting about that sex scene though is like i knew about it going in and when i watched it the first thing that struck me it wasn't so much the the sex scene it was it was the build-up to it so she goes to take a bath and she's just she undresses she gets in the bath uh and then he undresses and he starts brushing his teeth and then she's she's making fun of him she's saying oh you're getting a little bit of weight on there you know like getting like like the jelly rolls on the side of you and he's like she's playing and with he, him in this like uh there's like and he's and it's he's real thin i know right i was watching it, i was like screw you i was like that was <laughs> me like 15 years ago but um there is there is like such an intimacy in that moment alone which is rare like because that's what couples do like that's what married couples do or even people in relationships do like you know like mm. the the act of being naked around each other and being comfortable with it and like talking and playing with with each other like the it's like the playfulness of their exchanges is like it's really refreshing to see and he intercuts the, the editing is very good in this movie and he's intercutting yeah. all of this with them actually getting dressed so the sex scene as they start to have sex is intercut with them actually getting ready to go out after having sex which is like yeah. a really weird like it's such jumping back and forth in time which i feel like the whole movie does constantly 
And yeah. so he's playing around with that, which is really, really interesting. And um, the, the, the sex scene is notorious because they, the, it could be like an urban legend thing, but supposedly they actually had sex when they made, the, when they filmed the scene, which if you do some research, it's, that's not true. Um, it was actually filmed like pretty interestingly, but like once again, it, there's so much uh, supplementary information about this movie that like all of this becomes like stuff of like legend and law and like when you start to yeah. uncover all this it just gets more and more interesting the further you dig and an, an interesting story about that Eric that I read is that at the time Warren Beatty was uh, in a relationship with Julie Christie mm. around the time that she filmed this movie and um, just after the movie came out Warren Beatty was at a party with Nicholas Rogue and he was furious with him because there was this rumour <laughs> going around that he had he had kept the the unedited cut of the sex scene and he was oh. using it and passing that round and it was like kind of like he was like bragging about it and at least that's Warren what Warren Beatty had in his head so Warren Beatty was furious about it and he confronted him about it and he actually punched him out and then they went outside <laughs> he like punched him out and then he picked him back up he's like oh, are you okay and like dusted him off but it, that was all that wasn't true you didn't do anything like that i think that's yeah. just like that's Beatty's like toxic like egomania you know what i mean cuz he <laughs> he's a notorious like player you know so but yeah. I, that's funny it's such a it's such a like um it's it's such an epic situation when it comes to that but um i thought that was really a really interesting scene um moving on with the movie um as as it developed there was it it just kept it, it kept making me think about other movies when I watched it, which is a good sign too. So I was like yeah. seeing the influence of this in other movies, but I was also seeing like it reminded me a lot of like movies about like um couples who go somewhere and then somebody goes missing and you're in a foreign land where you can't speak in the language and you're you're kind of viewed as an outsider and you're desperately trying to figure something out. So like the Roman Polanski movie Frantic with Harrison Ford, um oh, yeah. plays yeah. It was kind of giving me vibes of that. So like, which I thought was really interesting, but as I watched it, um, as it, as it progressed, like I was wondering how they were going to wrap up the movie. And, um, so the infamous ending with the, um, the, I guess, I don't know the politically correct way to say this. I think little person is correct. I don't know if you can say dwarf. Um, yeah, but, which is funny because that's <laughs> that's how yeah, that character is listed yeah. in the credits. Yeah, yeah. Um, different time, different time. Yeah, and then um, but the the whole reveal when it turns around and she and she hacks him with like the looks like a meat cleaver, like a mini meat yeah. cleaver. Um, in yeah. not in like I don't know how sharp that thing was to be because it didn't look very sharp and she didn't really swing it very hard, so it was kind of like I was like what? Um, yeah. and then when he dies, like so I knew that in my head I was building up, I was like, well, he has to die at the end of this movie. I think that's the point of this movie. Now, the whole feel, the whole thing, though, to me, at least how I read it, is like he died metaphorically, you know what I mean? Or like he became victim to his um, obsession or like or his obsession with not facing, confronting his guilt or like his grief. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. I didn't really, I didn't really put too much stock in the fact that like, it, it was like a weird looking lady who did it at the end. And it was like a fully grown woman, not a child in like, 
it just felt it, I I was so into like the fairy tale aspect of it. Like it, I I didn't get hung up about it, and I'm still not hung up about on like the logistics of it. I know that you could argue that um she is, you know how there's a like supposedly an active serial killer who's drowning women in the canals of Venice throughout the movie. Um, at yeah. one point, I think the police kind of suspect that Donald Sutherland might be that person. Um, yeah, yeah, there were there was a point. Yeah, there was there was a point where I was like, where like the, because yeah, he he's like trying to follow around the 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 person in the the red raincoat around Venice, and I'm thinking to myself, is that just a kind of a figment of his imagination? And is is he really the killer? is that yeah. what's going on sort of deal um, that crossed my mind too yeah 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 that's interesting but i'm pleased they didn't really go down that road too um because i think it would have been a bit too much like nail on the head like it was it, I, or like a bit too like convoluted um so yeah i said so i didn't really get hung up and like so obviously there's a, the theory too then that when he was chasing that woman she was actually just defending herself. She's just like, why you keep chasing me around everywhere? Yeah. <laughs> or conversely, the theory that she might be the serial killer that's going around. Yeah. But then again, the logistics of that are just ridiculous. Like she would be drowning women um, in the canal. Like it, if you get hung up on, so I think with this movie, if you get hung up on the literal plot, like the plot as in like, I feel like the plot in terms of the, the events that happen are more or less irrelevant because it's not really about the events that are happening. It's about the yeah. reason why the events are happening. That's yeah. kind of yeah. like, you yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, again, it's a highbrow, arty movie. And like, <clears throat> I think as long as you're on, on board with that, it's fine. I think if you, if you watch the movie and you're like, well, that's ridiculous. Like, you know what I mean? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like you try to break yeah. it down. The movie will absolutely fall apart like house of cards because it's not supposed to be that it's not supposed to be like a, a thriller. Really? It plays like a thriller, but it's not really a thriller. Um, it's just a meditation on grief and like, uh, loss and communication and, um, the differences between men and women. And like, uh, I suppose like, um, spirituality, um, in, mm-hmm. in, you know, like a belief. One thing, Eric, though, that did bother me and, and of all the further reading and further research I've done into the movie, I've never seen anybody address this and it really, really bugs me. Um, is the, the, so the concept is, is that when they lose their daughter, um, he ends up taking that job anyway. And they decide that it's a good, it would be a good thing for them to both go there to get a fresh start, to clear the head, to be away from the family home, in a way to so they could kind of start to move on with their lives but they leave the son behind at boarding school (laughs) now to me the the movie doesn't really address why they did that and for me that that's the 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 main reason the main problem i have with the movie is that like i obviously am not a parent and so i can't even imagine what it would be like to love a child but then again, I can't even imagine on top of that what it would be like to lose a child. But surely if you lost one child, your natural reflex would be to go close in super tight on the remaining child. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like an act of overprotection or like a, yeah. a, a course correction, like 
totally. Um, so the fact that they just left him at boarding school, and boarding school must suck. And then yeah. in England, too, in the 70s, it was probably miserable. And they left him there, and then they're swanning around in Italy on vacation, going out to yeah. meals and drinking and, like, having sex in the bloody hotel rooms. And then this kid's left behind there. They doesn't sit well with me because then it, then it makes me think, well, are these people assholes? Yeah. <coughs> like No, I think... I think... Um... Yeah, because you don't get a deeper story with that kid. And I think more than anything, it's just, it's used, he, the 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 son, who I can't remember his name right now, uh, it's just used as a plot device to get her out of Venice for a certain yes. amount of time. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that seems to be like the depth of what that character is. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. Which seems kind but, of, yeah. Kind of I, th- I thought of this. Yeah, I thought of the same thing. The there was something else that I kind of thought of too, which was they lost their daughter in a, a small pond or lake, whatever, a small little lake or whatever it was, um, and then their coping mechanism or their their kind of idea of coping with that grief is to go to a city that is surrounded by water. And the only way that you can, you can uh, go from here to there is through water. So, so it's like you're, you're surrounding yourself in the thing that, you know, killed your daughter in a way. So, um, I found that kind of, I found that odd just as a just as kind of an uh a kind of an overview of 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 those characters themselves, you know. I I I would have figured you would have wanted to get away entirely, you know, go to Arizona or something like that. Yeah, right. Um uh, Abu Dhabi. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I thought that was kind of a that's one of the things I thought of immediately. I was like, why would you go would you go to Venice after something like that had happened? Um, but they also, they also didn't, you didn't get a sense of, of time passing. So it, who, who's to say that it wasn't, you know, a year later or two to three years later um, after those events had happened, you just don't get a sense of, of the kind of the time passing. Um, yeah. I don't think the film, the film explains it or like tells you, yeah, I think it's just it just mo- yeah it just naturally progresses to whether that, um, which I do yeah so I do find that very interesting because if if they are just using the sun as a plot device and it's like, but we have to put so much thought into all of this is surrounding one child's death, but then because that child was so important to them and then but this other don't worry about this other kid the one who's probably older than the girl don't worry yeah. about that because uh he's just a plot device he's not important <laughs> which, <laughs> is kind which of- is which is kind of strange because uh if you think about it you really don't need him in the movie at all because there's this uh there's this kind of underlying um theory that uh, uh Donald Sutherland's character has a slight psychic ability. So it, if you don't get that in the beginning, um, you need the, the boy 
to kind of call out to his father, but it's also like he got a sense that something was wrong and he ran out anyway. So he didn't, you don't need the, the boy to, to be there to call his father because he was already running out anyway because he knew something was wrong. So that, that character is completely irrelevant other than the plot device to get her out of Venice. Yeah, oh, and though, think about it, the plot device that he's the one that threw the ball in the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, basically there, yeah, there's that, that, kid that, is that just, whole thing too, yeah. Yeah, he's like a walking, talking plot mechanic. Um, <laughs> doesn't even talk, he's just walking. Um, yeah. But yeah, because I, I believe that's what happens. He throws the ball in the water and she goes in after the ball. And then that's what happens. Um which is, yeah, so that, anyway, I, I know I'm dwelling on that too much, but I thought that was, that didn't sit well with me throughout the movie. Um, thinking about what I was saying, too, um, if the movie is to do with communication, or, like, one of the central themes of the movie is communication, I think that's probably why the sex scene is so important, because it's almost like they they have an inability to communicate with each other in terms of, like, how they're moving on from this, their grief. So she's obviously opening herself up to spirituality, to um, mm-hmm. psychic readings, if you will, the the possibility of an afterlife or the future. Whereas he is very pragmatic and very much like, like, you know, very like typical guy style, like just burying it, just bury yeah, that yeah, grief yeah. as far as you can. And that's how you deal with it. Um, so obviously the the sex scene between them is showing them in a way where they are communicating with each other, like you know, mm-hmm. like so like they have like different layers to how how they 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 yeah they do not you overuse the word but communicate with one another, which I think is pretty yeah. interesting too. That's like a, a pretty interesting like juxtaposition with the rest of the movie and how at odds they are. Specifically, how I feel at odds he is with her. Um, when he's really just at odds with himself. So, like, if he's annoyed about her um, believing in the fantastical or believing in, like, holding on to some hope spiritually, it's really he's mad at himself because he can't do that. Like, he can't, mm-hmm. he can't, he can't unshackle himself. It's like he's, like, he's just carrying it, like, you know what I mean? Like, his own cross, um, so, which I think is pretty interesting. So, so do you think it's... So it, in that in that way, do you think it's uh, later in the movie when he is uh, chasing around the the uh, little person? Um, do you think that it he's chasing uh, that person around because he thinks it's his daughter, or he wants to believe that that's his daughter or do you think that um he is chasing them because he's trying to catch the killer or confront the killer in a way well i think he's kind of so caught up in himself as it is i think the only time he really gets concerned about the killer is when he thinks that his wife may have been because she, because you know, he thinks she goes back to England, and he sees her, which turns out he was just having a vision, and he sees her on the yeah. boat. And I think that his concern with the killer is only because then he's like, "Well, is she here? Is she safe?" You know what I mean? But in terms of like when he's chasing um, the red jacket around, I think it's more of a case of he's chasing it not to not because he thinks that 
that's his daughter because I think he wants to prove that it isn't his daughter. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So he's kind of just like, he wants to just be like, you're being crazy. This is just, this isn't what it seems like. This is just a kid. This is a kid who's lost. You know what I mean? Um, mm. I think that that's kind of how I'm reading it. Um, I think you could read it multiple ways, though, obviously. Um, sure. Um, which I think is pretty cool. But as as a, as a whole, though, yeah, so I, I, I think the movie shines upon second viewing, and I should imagine gets better every single time you see it, especially the more you pull it apart um, and the more you start to understand the rules of the movie. Um, and I did listen to a pretty interesting interview with Nicholas Rogue uh, where they were talking about um, the beginning of the movie, how the beginning of the movie is basically encapsulates the whole movie in the first like oh, yeah. five minutes. Um, yeah. And it, it totally does. I mean, it 100% does. Um, the It foreshadows everything that's happening. And then in like the theme of um, mirrors um, is, is, a, is a central theme to the movie too. Um, so like how a lot of scenes are mirrored within each other or like uh, when she's at the restaurant um, when the first time that she actually comes into contact with the two old ladies, she actually has like a moment where I think she kind of like faints or she like screams. She falls over and the table flips over on top of it and everything's like cascading down around her. That is a mirror scene for when he is falling from the um, the scaffolding when he's... Um, mm up like checking out the tiles to make sure the tiles are, are are going in place so that that's a mirror of a mirror um even down to like even the tiles that he's you know when he, he gets the new replacement tiles from the priest and he's like oh yeah i know this guy makes them they make the best tiles and he goes will it be a good match and he's like yeah it's a perfect match and he's holding it up and he's like oh it's perfect when he's like checking it out on the mural the whole the whole point about you know doppelgangers or like um like for like or um confusing one thing with another it's like it's in everything it's in just in the whole movie like everything oh, yeah. is like addressing itself constantly back and forth back and forth back and forth which is kind of super cool yeah i mean this is it's definitely a movie that that deserves to be uh broken down scene by scene almost it, it seems in a way because yeah we really didn't even get into the whole kind of mirror world discussion um from from even the beginning of from the beginning of the movie like like when the when the the boy uh rides his bike over a piece of over a, like a pane of glass and mm. um and then how that and how when he's standing on the scaffolding that's what kind of bust through uh that or bust through that that pane of glass um and from him bleed him him being cut from that glass and then the the blood that stains on the the photographic still that's you know um a mirror image of that it's just so it's so intricate I just I can't think of a modern movie that and I'm sure I've I've seen something like it, but I just off the top of my head right now I can't think of a kind of a modern movie that is um, 
put so much emphasis on uh, puzzle solving, with kind of uh, like in-depth puzzle solving with within the movie itself. It's just like uh, so much symbolism, so much, um, so much work that you have to kind of do as you're watching it. You know, uh, I, I'm sure I've seen. I'm sure I'm sure I've seen something, but you know, I've seen a bazillion movies, and I just can't think of one off the top of my head right now. Um, no, totally, it's, and it's not it's often like that you super interesting, yeah. Yeah, and it's not often that, like, I mean, I don't do this often. It's very rare that I watch a movie, and then after I watch a movie, I I start to read theory on the movie. It's very rare. Yeah. <laughs> Partly because people don't do a lot of film theory on new movies. Um, it tends to be more classic movies that there's a lot more material on. Um, and then secondly, because I, 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 I don't... I really dislike the other style of um, it's like the YouTube style where it's like ending explained. This is the ending explained. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's basically, they're just telling you what happened the in the plot. movie. They're yeah. not explaining yeah. shit. They just, yeah. It's like, it's like, this is the plot explained. And it's like, well, that's not, you're not giving me anything interesting. You know what I mean? You're not feeding my curiosity just by telling me the plot of something I've already seen. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I think like, that that's one of the beauties of this movie being so old is that it, they've, they've had time for people to really pull it apart and break it down. Um, because obviously a lot of the stuff I'm saying when I'm saying this is, this is because of things that I've read. It's not like I came up with any of this. I mean, like some of, some of the things are, are my own thoughts, but like I'm talking about it in just in terms of like, I discovered this because I researched it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this yeah. is what this th- therefore opened up the movie for me for second viewing um and it just it just pays dividends and it'll keep giving back and like plus i feel like once you start to with things like film theory once you start to adjust your brain to that style of thinking about movies then Mm -hmm. it opens you up to really like in a way enjoy movies more because you start to totally yeah you know reanalyze things and, and you're not just like you not you become less passive in the engagement of watching movies, and you become more of a participant, which I think is really cool. It's a really cool thing. Yeah, yeah. I I I found that um, I found that I do it more um, as of late. Uh, now that you know, I've watched movies for so long. But as as we kind of started this podcast, and and. Um, you know, I did a little bit of film theory in school. Um, so when I'm watching, when I'm watching something, uh, a, a film or watching, you know, when we go to the show or something like that, I always kind of find myself kind of reverting back in a way like, oh, why did they use that kind of camera angle? Why is it shot this way? Or what's the, what's the symbolism in, in them doing that? Or, or, why are they focusing in on this one thing or how does it, how does the scene look when they pull back sort of stuff? So I really enjoy kind of turning on that, that kind of that, that close viewing, you know, that part of my brain that's kind of close viewing like you would, if you were uh, close, it's called close reading, you know, when you're really Uh intent on the words that are on the page. So, but for this, it's on the screen. So I, I mean, there's mov- there's movies where you obviously you can kind of turn your brain off and just have fun, you know, just go for the ride sort of stuff. But this, it's really kind of 
it's really nice to kind of turn the old thinker on from time to time and and try and break something down because it's it, it feels like it's a little bit rare and uh, few and far between um, within the last few years or so. So it, it's yeah. kind of a, a treat in a way. So Eric, um, have you seen? So have you seen any movies uh, by Nicholas Rogue other than this movie? Now, have you seen any of these other films? I mean, I looked at the list, and I. I honestly don't think that I have. Yeah, I mean, the only I, one I, I have I saw, is The Witches. I I don't think I have seen that. I I want to say maybe I've seen parts of the man who fell. Uh, what was it? The man who fell to Earth uh, with mm-hmm. David Bowie. I want to say yep. I've seen parts of it, but I haven't seen it from beginning to end. Um. But I would definitely, um, I would definitely look into kind of his catalog a little bit more, you know, um, because I have the feeling that he deals a lot with this kind of, I don't want to say kind of a absurdist viewpoint or uh, something like that, because that, that, that sounds a little bit dismissive. Um just this really kind of this this vision that he he kind of that he's trying to kind of um, project, you know, uh, with, with his art. I, I have the feeling that that the stuff that he put on film to him was had a lot to do with kind of the art of filmmaking and the kind of the art of um, what is on screen and not so much with just the moving image itself, you know, or just mm-hmm. entertainment and it, 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 for, for entertainment's sake. It's something a little bit more, I, I want to say maybe a little bit more heady in a way, in a way. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I feel like I don't like. I'm trying to think if this if there was anything else I really wanted to bring up um, about the movie in terms of like, in, in initial thoughts and my first few viewings. I feel like as a whole, like just to, to surmise basically how I feel on the movie. I think the movie is very very good. I think the movie, um, however, I did not. I did not feel that after the first first time. First time I watched it, um, I was actually kind of a little bit, well, I was, I felt a little deflated. I felt a little bit mm. like, well, that was it. Like, it, it, it didn't, it didn't do anything like, it didn't like floor me. Like, say, first time I saw The Exorcist or first time I saw, like, to use a movie that came out the same year. Um, sure. It, it. You can watch The Exorcist and immediately be like, oh, I can understand why this is a classic. Like, immediately. Um, yeah. Because the whole movie plays like that. But when when you watch a movie like this that's more subjective, um, it's it's interesting because, like, yeah, I was I, I felt a little let down and I felt a little disappointed. Um, but I'm I'm really pleased I stuck with it. And I feel like if, if you... Um, 
you've obviously hopefully watched the movie if you're this far into the podcast but i i do i do i would recommend anybody who's seen the movie to watch it again um and to mm-hmm. really like to to like to really like double down on it watch it because i feel like that yeah obviously that's when the movie opens up and um it's very rare that that happens with me with movies. Like I don't really do that a lot with movies. Either kind of like them initially, um, or I don't like them, or I'm really medium on them. But I don't really like. I can't think of many movies that have completely changed for me upon second viewing, um, and this is one of them. So, like, yeah, to to sum it up, that's kind of how I feel about the movie. I feel like it's very very interesting. That's kind of all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it it really it, it does need a, a I think it does need deserve I I, w- I would say definitely deserves a second viewing. Yeah. Um so, um it's interesting. So, on the list of all the movies that it, the that didn't make the cut, um I think this is the one that probably would stand out from all of the other movies the most. Um I definitely think it's the oldest movie on the list that we had um by quite a bit by almost like 20 years um which is interesting um because there was no like crossover with anything else on the list with this one i believe um cool um is there anything else you want to mention eric um do you have any recommendations any this is what this uh, is what i'll recommend um when when you hear when you hear the death match of this episode um pick any of those movies that either one of us have on our lists um i think uh i've probably seen about half of the movies that i recommend uh for my list Mm -hmm. and um Mm -hmm. probably about half of the movie i don't know i'm trying to remember uh, your list and i want to say maybe i've seen i've seen like maybe two or three maybe um, any of those, any of the movies that you kind of hear about on, on, on the list that we make, uh, I, I would, I would like to kind of, uh, hear anybody's thoughts on maybe if they, if they've seen any of those or, uh, what they think about the list or, um, what they would have added, what they would have taken away, you know, would be a, a pretty good, um, a question and answer sort of thing. And if they kind of mm-hmm. like that format, you know, um, because I know I really enjoyed it. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Um, I'm going to ask you this real quick then just out of curiosity. Yeah. Um, was there a movie on my list? What, what was the, of all the movies on my list? What was the one you wanted to watch the most? That's off a, that list. That's a good question. Um, let me do this real quick. I'm going to, because I have it saved. Yeah, I'm looking at yours right yeah. now. So I'll I'll do yours first while you look up mine. Um, so from Eric's list, um, the movie I think I probably would have wanted to watch the most would have been, well, it's, I'm going to say Mother, but only because that movie is killer um if i take mother out of it i haven't seen any of the other movies on your list so i probably would have went with uh johnny handsome yeah <laughs> that's a good one i mean the cast alone you have to you have to want to see it for the cast alone it's incredible 
Um, oh, and just the the plot synopsis, dude. A career criminal who's been deformed since birth is given a new face by a kindly doctor and paroled from prison. It appears that he has gone straight, but he's really planning his revenge on the man who killed his mentor and sent him to prison. Are you kidding me? Yeah, dude. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I'm telling you, we have to do that. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, we're going to. I have seen... I've seen two movies on your list and I think the one that I think the one that I would want to watch is probably um, it's probably either going to be censor or uh, just the beat that my heart skipped. Cause I, yeah. yeah, I really kind of like the, I like the, the, the synopsis of that movie sounds really super interesting to me. So, yeah, that movie's so good, Eric. Like you love that movie. Um, well, I tell you what, then, how about we do this? Um, we were gonna kind of run the the losers bracket and then run that to see what the next pick would be. Mm-hmm. But what could be interesting is because I feel like if we're excited about something, and we want to watch it. We should, we should, we should watch it. You know what I mean? We should talk about it. Yeah. So. I for future episodes, let's do Johnny Handsome and let's do the beat my heart skipped. Oh, like a double feature? Yeah, we could either do a double feature or we'll just do an episode on each of them. Yeah, that um, might, yeah, that might be good because it, we probably fill up a crazy amount of time with the podcast like that. Yeah, we we could do that because like I feel like we both want to watch those movies. We both want to talk about those movies. So yeah, we'll 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 put those in the bank. So that's in the, they're saved in the list. So they're, they're going to be our next two rainy day episodes when we can't get to the theaters. Are you, um, are you going <coughs> to, uh, post the list on the, in the description? Yes. Okay. So yeah, I'll put, I'll, I'll put the lists. Um, I'll put a link to the letterbox lists. Okay. On the episode description, so when you listen to this, you can you can look underneath and you can go and look at all this. Well, I'm also obviously going to cut in um, our death match at the end of this episode, so you can listen to that too if you want to laugh. It's pretty fun, and you can actually hear me flip the coin, which is pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, so I'll cut that in if you wanted to listen to that. And um, one last thing to mention though before we go, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, I will not be in Tennessee next week. I'm actually going to Las Vegas for the week. So I don't know what we're going to do about the next episode. Um, I mean, we might take a week off. It just, you know, it just depends on how everything kind of uh, plays out. But I mean, it is possible Mm -hmm. that, you know, life comes up and like we do other things besides this. So if we miss a week, that that happens, you know. Well, I do have two episodes saved in the That's bank. Right. I'm not yeah. going to tell the audience what they are, yeah. but we have two earlier episodes that Eric and I, for way back when we first started this podcast, way back when we were just, just cutting our teeth and we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> We've got two episodes, and actually pretty good episodes. So um, I might just drop an old episode in as like a bonus round. Or nice. I was thinking what we could do, um, it might be... I, sh- I don't know if I should do this on my vacation. I should have a vacation, but... I am kind of tempted because I will be in Las Vegas. It could be kind of fun to do a Vegas themed movie like <laughs> Casino or um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas or 
um, some kind of gambling movie, like um, the like uh, what's that movie with William H Macy, uh, The Cooler? Was it yeah, the Cooler? there's the Cooler. Um, there's the there's the movie with Kevin Costner and uh, Kurt Russell where they both play Elvises who rob banks. Oh or yes, <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, that movie is weird. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I thought that like we. That's it. Three thousand miles to Graceland. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's it. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I will see. Because um, I thought that could be good, uh, kind of fun to do, especially because I can record it in Vegas. Um, so I thought that could be kind of cool. But we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll figure it out. Either way, you're going to get an episode next week. So please Wait. don't worry about it. You know, don't take to Twitter and start slandering us <laughs> and be like, these guys ruined my childhood, ruined my life. <laughs> Because I know how addicted some people are to this show, Eric. Some people, I mean, this is like, how are they going to get through the working week without listening to us? I get bombarded all the time with what's what's happening next. We'll just have Zach do a solo episode. (laughs) I'll just post that. (laughs) That'll be so good. Highest listened to episode yet. Yeah, it's funny because a friend of ours did mention that, that Zach is probably the breakout star of this podcast um <laughs> and he's just going to leave us in the dust yeah which i think's good happen. for him oh well he deserves it he's he a legend um okay well i mean i don't have anything to recommend i'm going to watch the uh beatles documentary the oh. three-parter that's coming out and i think it's apple tv yeah yeah uh so i'm gonna watch that this weekend um definitely um and then I'm probably just going to, yeah, I'm, I started watching Tiger King season two um, just earlier today when I was drawing, just so I had it on the background. It's pretty interesting. Um, if anybody's seen the first Tiger King, you're probably thinking, well, do I really want to watch more Tiger King? And the answer <laughs> is yes, when you start watching it, cause it's kind of fun. So <clears throat> um, other than that, I haven't watched any movies. I started, I started the Cowboy Bebop TV show. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Netflix live action uh, adaptation, which is just fine, you know, I it's I didn't mind it, I didn't love it. Um, I don't really have m- much many thoughts on it. I think I think it's fine. I think a lot of people are probably going to love it. I I don't know anything about the the comic itself or the animated series, um, mm-hmm. so I it would probably just go right over my head. I, pretty sure yeah i i didn't watch anything either because work had killed my brain so exactly yeah (laughs) so okay well that concludes episode 21 of movies last night we are almost close to 25 episodes um and i already know what we're going to do for episode 100 um so we've only got what another my maths is shocking. We've got another 79 episodes to go. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. We'll get there. Yeah. yeah. Like three years time. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, Everybody have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Take care guys.
Hello, um, welcome to a special segment for Movies Last Night. This is totally new, so please bear with us while we do this. Hey Eric, how are you doing? Good, good, Scott. Good, good. Okay, so I'll clue in the audience on what we're going to do right now. So Eric and I have been deciding, trying to decide what movie to do for the next episode, uh, being that we couldn't get to the theatre today. So um, in a spur of genius or madness, depending on how you look at it, um, we came up with the idea that we're going to do a death match or a tournament knockout section um, in basically Eric's going to pick 10 movies. I'm going to pick 10 movies. We haven't told each other what the movies are. Um, this, and you can pick, we could, it could be any kind of movie. Like doesn't matter, like all bets are off. So we're going to go one through 10 with our, with our choices. And we're going to do this in a bracket system and try to work our way to get to the movie that we're going to watch to review for the next episode. Does that make sense? Total chaos. I love it. Yeah. Total insanity. So let's just get it going. So I'm going to flip a coin. Um, as the decider and Eric is very graciously trusting that I'm not just totally making this up um, which I'm not Um, so I have a coin and um, hopefully I don't drop it on the floor and lose it Uh, and it was really difficult to find a quarter because I don't (laughs) use cash so I was digging everywhere but I eventually found one cool so um, Eric how should we do this do you want to just go first like we'll do your your it doesn't have to be in any order. It's just we'll just you just pick one, I'll pick one, and then we'll we'll t- see which who who wins. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, you go first, then, buddy. Okay, I just want to say this uh, ahead of time. A majority of these are from the two thousand, so most of them, if you're kind of following along and you write them down, you should be able to find them and stream them on some service, uh, or at least get a cheap rental out of them. But then I have three that are my heavy hitters that are older movies. Um, so those, oh, okay. mi- those might be more difficult to, uh, to find. Um, but you should be able to stream them. Um, so yeah, and what I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I, what, what I'll do is at the end, uh, I'll, I'll compile all of these, these uh, movies and I'll, I'll link them in the description for the episode. Yeah. So they can have a look through if, if that, that, that should work. Oh, yeah. Cool. All right, for number one, I am picking a movie called uh, Come True. And it uh, should be 2021 release. Never heard of it. Yeah. Come True. Yeah, it's about a girl who is having problems sleeping, and she goes to a sleep study, and a bunch oh, of God. crazy stuff starts happening. Kind of that seems like sounds suspense awesome. uh, horror. I mean, the trailer looks like incredible. Oh, oh, really? Damn yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So my number one pick, uh, not number one pick, but my first pick is going to be um, Sensor from 2021, um, which is uh, a new release, a horror movie to, um, I'm guessing by the sounds of your choice, um, it's a horror movie and it's about a woman who works, I believe, who works for the censorship board, you know, the people who do the ratings for films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she, all days, all, all day long, she's watching like crazy horrible shit that she's recommending that directors cut out of movies until eventually one day she starts watching a movie and the scenes from the movie that relate to scenes from her childhood and then hijinks ensue. All right. 
Okay. So um, I'm going to flip the... Oh, so we'll do heads as a sensor and tails is going to be your pick. Um, okay. What was the name of it again? Come True. Come True. Okay. Tails. Yes. Yes. So we've got Come True. Uh, I'm kind of pleased about that, actually. Um <laughs> Let me quickly jot this down in the notes. Okay, so that that's the first movie that comes goes through to the next round. Come true. Okay, um, and now your turn, Eric. Again. Uh, so my second one is called "Coming Home in the Dark." Um, I think it's twenty twenty one twenty twenty uh release, Australian uh suspense horror. Um, about a family that gets, uh, I think kind of kidnapped by, uh, by a couple guys. And then you find out there's kind of a deeper plot happening there. But I mean, I, I'm yeah. always a sucker for Australian horror. Yeah. I, I saw the trailer. I remember you talking about this a little while back. Trailer looks really good. So, uh, yeah, this, this one, this one looks really good. Um, Okay. So, and then my choice for this is going to be The Ritual from 2017. Mm. Eric and I have talked about this. It's a Netflix original. Um, it is by David Bruckner, the director of The Night House. Um, I've seen this movie, so I'm just going to... Most of the movies on this list I've seen. Um, I just, I think of movies that I think like we could have a good discussion about or uh, movies that I really want to revisit. Uh, movies I think we could like, you know, hopefully really sink our teeth into. So... And I think, and I chose this because I think you'll really love this movie. So yeah. the ritual from twenty seventeen. So we'll do heads for the ritual, tails for your movie, um, which I'm I'm always going to forget the names. So <laughs> uh, coming home um, in the dark. Coming home in the dark. Okay. Heads, it is nice. Man, so you've got two in a row now. No, no, you, heads was yours. Oh, that's right. Wow, yeah. we're really bad at this. Oh, I'm really bad I was, at this. Okay, I, was so, I was happy for your win. Okay, so the ritual goes through. Ooh, one apiece, then that's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Okay. Um, okay, next one, Eric. Uh, next one, I'm going to go with uh, 2021 is the beta test. Um, oh, nice. It's nice. a satiric, uh, satirical Hollywood comedy. It looks like it, at least. And um, it's gotten some pretty high praise. So the beta test. Yeah, I, this looks great. Got to admit, um, I, I'm kind of jealous you picked that one. Okay, so I'm going a little um, left of field here. So I picked A Cure for Wellness, which is a mm. 2016 movie by Gore Verbinski. Um nice which is like a psychological thriller in the, I would say probably in the vein of um, Shutter Island. Um, I kind of remember the trailers, yeah, for it, but I never yeah. watched it, yeah. Yeah, um, Dean DeHaan, I think, is the lead actor in it. Uh, Mia Goth's in it. Um, it's, yeah, it's 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 quite a trip. So uh, that's my uh, suggestion. Uh Again, I kind of picked this one for you because I figured if you haven't seen it, you might really dig it. So mm -hmm. um, we'll go um, heads for the beta test and tails for a cure for wellness. All right. 
Heads it is for the beta test. All right. Okay, and I'll just make a note of that. Okay, and moving on. Uh, my next pick is 2008's faux documentary, horror documentary, Lake Mungo. Oh, nice. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, and then mine, <laughs> I can't wait to tell you this one. Mine is uh, 1996's um, Masterpiece, directed by Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen sooner or later. Hell yeah. Okay, so I'm going to mix it up then. We're going to do Tales for Romeo and Juliet, and we're going to do Heads for Lake Mungo. Okay. Oh, come on, please. <laughs> Tails it is. Oh. <laughs> so Romeo and Juliet moves through to the next round. Um, I just love that movie, Eric, and I just I know I I know you will too one day. I'll force it. Um. Okay. So next pick from Eric. All right. Now I'm gonna pull out one of my. Uh... Older movies, uh, 1986's Band of the Hand. Oh, nice, nice. Is this the Michael Mann? It's a Michael Mann produced, and the director is, I believe, the same director who made one of your favorite movies of all time, which is The Running Man. Whoa, fire. Running Man's not one of my favorite movies of all time. It's just really good. It's really good. Okay, so we've got the the Band of the Hand, and my choice is a movie from 2005, going back a bit, um, and it's a movie called Angel A, and that's uh, directed by Luc Besson, and it is a, I would say, like a romantic drama slash thriller. Um, So... Yes, it's all black and white. Um, beautiful, beautiful visual movie. Um, so interesting uh, matchup. This one. Well, do you um, do you want to pick which side of the coin? Well, just to keep it fair, you pick the sides of the coins for a little bit. I'll go uh, heads, band of the hand. Heads, band of the hand. And band of the hand goes through to the next round. Yo. Man, I am not doing well. <laughs> well, actually, it's not too bad, actually. It's pretty even. Um, so, uh, what's your next pick, Eric? Uh, next pick is 2017's exploitation uh, thriller, Revenge. Oh. I'm trying to think if I've seen... Is this um, female-led? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I think I know know the movie you're talking about. Yeah, female protagonist. One of the most... uh, Super violent. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, super crazy. That figures. One of your choices is going to be super (laughs) violent. Okay, so I'm going to match that with... um, a movie from 2009, a French movie called Mick Max. 
um, which is made by the director of Amelie. Um, I forget his name off the top of my head. Um, it's a surrealist French um, comedy. Okay. Uh, is the best way to describe it. Um, beautiful. Uh, again, there's a, there's a link here. It's a very visually striking movie. Um, I thought it'd be an interesting one. It's very, very different to everything we've done before. Um, so you choose the coins, Eric. I'll go Tails Revenge. Okay. Are you kidding me? Tails. <laughs> Tails for revenge. We're going to Vegas, man. Yeah, we, you should go to Vegas. <laughs> I should stay the hell away from Vegas. Okay. Um, so, like, so uh, moving on, that'll be one, two, three, four, five, six battles down. We'll go for your seventh uh seven we're gonna go 2021's the feast uh it's kind of like a folk it's it's described as kind of a new folk horror um almost body horror type movie <laughs> about a rich family who hires a uh a caretaker or a, a chef, something like that, to to cater a meal for them, and a lot of crazy stuff goes wrong. Okay, how come I feel like every time you pick a movie, I'm gonna have to like have to deal with some kind of like post traumatic <laughs> stress after watching it? <laughs> okay, okay, so that's the feast, and the feast is going to be going up against uh, 1999's A Room for Romeo Brass, which is a kitchen sink. Kind of a, a British. Um, I'm trying to think of the best. Uh, it's like a drama um, by uh, Shane Meadows, the wonderful okay. Shane Meadows. Um, well, it's an early one for him. What was it called? Um, a room for Romeo Brass. Okay. Yeah, um, and it's uh, it's got your boy in. Um, I can't remember his name now. Uh, the lead actor. Anyway, doesn't doesn't matter. If we do it, we'll we'll, we'll come up who he is. Um, <laughs> I, I'll pick the heads. Uh, I'll pick the sides of the coin this time because I think Eric's kind of got a system going on. So yeah. I'm going to do tails for Romeo Brass and heads for Eric's scary sounding movie, The Feast. <laughs> well, looks like Eric gets another one. So the feast goes through to the next <laughs> round. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm okay. starting to feel bad now. You should. You should feel bad. Um, okay, number eight, Eric, what's your choice? Number eight, I'm going with my next heavy hitter, 1987's uh, Extreme Prejudice. Oh, nice. Nol yeah, Gene Nick Hackman? No, Nick no, Nolte. Nick Nolte. Rip Torn, um, <sighs> Clancy Brown. It's a, a shoot-em-up movie. That is a whole slice of man. <laughs> like, a lot of heavy hitters in that. Okay, so you're going to be putting that movie, uh, Extreme Prejudice, is going to go up against 1973's mm -hmm. Don't Look Now with oh, um, nice. Donald Sutherland. Yeah, nice. I figured that could be an interesting one to do. Yeah. So, um, and we're going to do Heads for Don't Look Now, Tails for Extreme Prejudice. And heads, so Scott nice. gets one. Nice. Uh, so don't look like it goes through. Uh, 
Okay, so moving on, we've got our ninth pick. Ninth pick is going to be uh, one that kind of slipped by me um, that I have always had at the back of my mind wanting to watch, uh, but it's 2009's uh, Bung Joo Ho's Mother. Oh, awesome. I almost picked a Bong Joon-ho movie. I was going to do Ok, ok- Che, the, oh, yeah, um, yeah. the movie on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, so you haven't, see, you haven't seen Mother? I haven't seen Mother, no. Boy, it is awesome. Okay, <laughs> that's a really good pick. Wow, okay. Um, my pick, um, I think, is an equally awesome movie, and it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, it's from 2005. Um, it's a movie by Jax uh, Odiard. I think that's how you pronounce his name. French movie maker. Um, and it's a movie called The Beat That My Heart Skipped, um, which is a kind of like a, a thriller but tied into like a like a drama it's an interesting movie it's really really good um so that's the beat that my heart skipped versus mother okay um eric do you want to choose the coin i'll go ahead mother okay we can't lose with this by the way if either <laughs> of these movies get it they're both super good heads is mother and mother goes through. I want to watch that other one though. I mean, I mean, no, you, we, I, th- yeah, I think what so we much. should do. Yeah, we no, we definitely should do it. It is incredible. Actually, all of his movies are incredible, but I think this is the, his best movie. But uh, yeah, I think you'd love it. Um, so we'll just okay, so we'll have mo- to uh, save the list uh, so we can oh, do we the, the losers round. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Next time we do an episode like this, we should do the losers bracket. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's a good idea. Um so tenth and final choice for round one, Eric. Uh tenth choice is the heavy hitters of heavy hitters. <laughs> it's st- it has uh Forrest Whitaker, uh oh. you have Ellen Burstyn. Lance Hendricks or Hendrickson, however he pronounces whatever his last name is, mm-hmm. um, uh, Morgan Freeman, starring Mickey Rourke, Walter Hill movie, nineteen eighty nine's Johnny Handsome. Whoa, good choice. I love Mickey Rourke. Okay, I don't think I've seen that movie. I keep. I think I'm getting mixed up between that and um, Holly Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Oh yeah, no, I think yeah, him and Don Johnson. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Wow. Good choice, Eric. That's a good choice. Um, so we've got Johnny Handsome, and my pick is from 2020, um, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, and the movie's called The Courier, which is like a Cold War spy thriller kind of. I don't know exactly the dates it's set in, but it's given me like Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy vibes. Yeah, yeah. Which he's yeah. also in, which is fun. Um, so yeah, I picked that one. So Johnny Handsome, uh, which we'll give tails to, and the courier, which we'll give heads to. Yep. Eric oh, Eric whitewashes it. It's Johnny <laughs> Handsome goes through the next round. <laughs> but now they all have to fight it out. Yeah, they do. So, I mean, of this, 
I have one, two. I only have three that went through of this ten. Three, three, three v seven. Yep. All right. So let's see who pulls uh, it out. Yep. So I guess the way I'll do this then is I'm just going to go down the list in a the the everyone that's next to each other is just going to fight each other and we'll go down. So round one, Eric, I'm going to read out the names. You tell me the which side of the coin you want for each movie, and okay. we'll just stick to that rule. So we've got Come True versus The Ritual. Uh, come true heads. Okay. Tails it is. So the ritual goes through the next round. Although come true does sound really good. So let's be interesting to see where that falls in the loser's bracket. Um, now we have the beta test versus Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) I'm just going to, I'm just going to make this coin title toss up. So it's (laughs) arbitrary. (laughs) I'll I'll be fair. I'll be fair. Uh, I'll go tails beta test. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna. I'll actually gonna snap a photograph of this so you don't think I'm faking it. <laughs> no, it's Romeo fine. and Juliet goes. <laughs> it's Romeo fine. and Juliet goes through. <laughs> yes, I got one. Okay, and now we're gonna have um, Band of the Hand versus Revenge. Uh, Band of the Hand heads. Okay. Tails, so revenge goes through to the next round. Nice. And the so next up is the feast versus don't look now. I'll go feast tails. Um, and heads it is. So don't look now goes through. Um, and then we've got Mother versus Johnny Handsome for the final round of this um, this bracket. I'll go Johnny Handsome with heads. Okay. Johnny Handsome goes through. Nice. Okay. So we'll just keep chugging it down. This is going to be interesting, though. I never really thought about this. So this is the first snag that we're going to f- we're going to come up against. What's that? We've got five, five movies left. But if I I can't pitch, if I pitch one against one, we're gonna have one that's left out. Hmm. So we're gonna have to cut one of these from the list. Okay. Let's. Uh. What do we got? Okay. So we've got the ritual, Romeo and Juliet, Revenge, Don't Look Now, and Johnny Handsome. We've both seen Revenge. I haven't seen Revenge. You I haven't? get I always get Revenge confused with the uh, the Bad Batch. Um, oh, okay. I've I've seen bits of Revenge because I know the setup. I know that it's in the house. It's out in like the like a desert scape kind of thing, and it's yeah. like a modern style house. So I've seen bits of it, but I haven't seen all of it. Let's let's cut Revenge. I I would be good with cutting Revenge. Okay, well, that sounds good. Okay, so we've cut Revenge. Um, so now. First, <laughs> okay, we'll mix it up. We'll mix it up. No, actually, we'll not. We'll keep it like this. So we've got the ritual versus Romeo and Juliet. Okay. Give me the. Give me the. Uh, like? Let me go Romeo and Juliet heads. Okay. Don't feel me now. <laughs> heads, it is Romeo and Juliet goes through. <laughs> I've that done is, it to myself. Uh, 
I know, and, and, and honestly, I'm being very honest. I'm not fixing that cost. <laughs> it's all good. Um, Romeo and Juliet goes through to the final, <laughs> and then uh, so then for the um the next place in the final, we have Don't Look Now versus Johnny Handsome. I'm gonna go Johnny Handsome heads. Tails it is. Oh. So actually, as it turns out, you two, win. <laughs> well, I've got two in the final, but yeah. now we're going to have to go through. Um, this is the most important decision of your life, Eric. Um, <laughs> this might be the biggest gamble and the biggest risk you'll ever take. So oh, wow. Romeo Juliet versus Don't Look Now. <laughs> Could okay. not be two more polar opposite movies. Oh man, um, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet heads. Okay, tails it is. Don't look now. Wins. Oh, oh, the movie gods were looking down on me for that one. Yeah, they were. I think there was a divine <laughs> intervention happened there. So. <laughs> Of the bracket, we'll have to figure out a way to do this bracket where we don't end up having to lose a movie, which I think yeah. is kind of like, there's got to be a better way to do this. We'll figure it out. But for now, pretty successful run. But from the 20 movies that we initially started with, we've whittled it down to one, and it's uh, Don't Look Now. Um, the Probably the oldest movie on this list, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah the oldest movie on the list. And have you seen Don't Look Now, Eric? I've I've started to watch it before. I I have it on Criterion, so oh, you own it. Perfect. Yeah, I own it. Um, okay. And I I think I've watched like ten minutes of it, and I had to go do something else. So yeah, I'm interested okay. to get back into it because I hear it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's supposedly seminal. I will be full disclosure. I have not seen the movie. I've seen okay. bits and pieces uh, in passing on television. Um, when it's been on, but I, I mean, television, it hasn't been on television in a long time, but, um, I remember catching it, maybe it's on like BBC two late at night or whatever. Um, but no, I've not seen it. So a new experience for both of us, which is kind of cool because yeah. it ended up being that a movie that neither of us has seen. So what we'll do is I'll post this information in the episode, the bracket, um, and what I'll do is uh, I'm going to also compile and list the losers bracket. And that's what we're going to work off next next time we do one of these episodes. Does that sound fair? Yeah, that sounds good. OK, so I guess we ended up doing a bit of a golden goose episode, like <laughs> a big, a big classic, so to speak. Um, uh, that, that's all we really need to say. We'll just, yeah. uh, I'll cut this in on the episode and uh, next time you hear my beautiful voice and Eric's beautiful sultry voice, it'll be for uh, Movies Last Night's review of Don't Look Now. See you then, folks.